All right, if you have not heard yet, there's a new bonsai convention going down in the Midwest in 2024. It's gonna be May 3rd through the 5th at the Gateway Convention Center in Collinsville, Illinois. It's put on by the Bonsai Society of Greater St. Louis. And I highly recommend you check this one out because they're doing everything right. I think that they are just doing a phenomenal job with the entire expo and convention. So to start off, they got six just incredible headliners. They have Bjorn Bjorholm of ASAN, Tyler Sherrod of Dogwood Studios, Andrew Robson of Rakuyo N, Maria Hatchstick, Young Cho, and Maro Stemberger. So super high level guest artists. I'm very, very excited that they were able to line up those people. I don't think they could have done a better job with that. That is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they're doing $7,500 in cash prizes for the trees, the Kusumono, and the Suiseki Expo. They have $2,500 for the tree that wins best in show. We're currently calling for entries right now. So if you go to Bonsai Central, bonsai-central.com slash entries, you can enter your tree. Deadline is February 1st, 2024. So once again, bonsai-central.com slash entries. You can check that out. Uh, in addition to that, they have 14 plus workshops. They have 12 informal pop-up demos, two formal demos. They have dinner, which is gonna be included with the price of admission on Friday, Saturday. They have nine plus bonsai and kusumono lectures plus Q&A sessions. They have three professional roundtables, and they have over 15 awesome vendors all confirmed. I would definitely recommend you check out the site and look at the workshop material. I am pumped. I would literally buy every single Juniper if I could for the workshop price. I think that they are not charging enough there. They have these awesome twisty junipers. I don't know where they got them or how, how they were able to obtain them, but I would buy all of them. Of course, they're saving them for the workshops. Uh, they have really great workshop material. A lot of times workshop material, I'm like, eh, it's all right. But this workshop material is looking very high level. So for more information, I would go to bonsai-central.com. You can learn all about the convention, and I am very proud to say that they are a sponsor for this episode. Thank you so much. Definitely Baby check church. them out. It's almost like once you start doing it, I you almost have to. Like it, it, yeah. it's. He takes his hand and grabs his hat on top of his head while he's looking at it. The Black Pondo Podcast. You can ask me anything. I'll, I'll talk about whatever. <laughs> nice. Okay. One, uh, one question I've kind of been playing around with my mind in, because there's, there's this guy that sells bonsai by the side of the road out of a van, and it's the exact uh -huh. same thing that you're talking about. And I always debate, like, is this guy good for bonsai or bad for bonsai? Uh, What's your thoughts? Like that kind of thing, you know? As long as the plants are healthy, I think it's a it's a good gateway, right? Like, if you 
if you're charging a fair price and the plants are healthy, I don't think it's a bad thing because like if you're just beginning and you're interested but you have no idea what you're doing, you're not going to make an investment of like, you know, something with any kind of sub like substance. Uh so like I I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's not something that like me personally I want to like ever be like centered around as a business. Uh, like a, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be kind of a waste of time. But but I mean I I think it has its place in bonsai as long as it's like fair and honest business and like yeah it's completely fine because a lot of people like everyone starts out pretty much the same way. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, um, when when I was in college, I I bought one by the side of the road, and I put it in my windowsill. And my roommate was like watering it with his beer at a party one night. <laughs> and well, uh, so, I mean, maybe that wasn't a bad thing. I read one time that like the vitamin B or something like the B twelve and beer is good for plants. I definitely tried watering my trees with beer more than once. So. <laughs> I can't say it like actually does anything, but it's something I read. I was like, wow, this is so smart. I love beer. <laughs> so ah, ancient Japanese secrets that you're learning over there. Water. water yeah, with, yeah. I think that's Bito. a redneck secret. <laughs> <laughs> um let me let me tie in to uh this story about me starting. Uh by the time I went to my first bonsai meeting, it actually turned out that my stepdad's chiropractor masseuse dude uh dr purdue he was one of like the long-term members of the brevard bonsai society and he had like a really great collection of trees so uh when i went to my first meeting i was like his name's purdue and then he's a chiropractor like i wonder if it's the same guy and it turned out it was and that's cool he's good dude very cool awesome yeah, man yeah so, and then outside of bonsai, I know you're, uh, you shred on the guitar. Definitely seen a few videos on uh, Instagram before. Any other like hobbies and interests? So, guitar is my third instrument that I learned to play. Like, I started playing violin in fourth grade. And then in middle school, I also started playing viola. And about the same time, I started playing guitar, but... Violin and viola, I could play in like the middle school, high school orchestra. Uh, but I kind of dropped it because uh, by my senior year of high school, you know, I was doing other stuff and it wasn't cool to be playing violin, you know, it seemed kind of nerdy. Which, like, looking back, I, I thought that was really dumb because now I still really actually like to listen to classical music a lot. So I kind of, that's like kind of one of my life's regrets but i still have my violin and my viola so i'm thinking when i get home i'll try and learn some pieces and kind of enjoy it for my own free time um guitar is fun other hobbies too like i like most of my life is actually centered around bonsai as like silly as it sounds like i i don't really have too many hobbies <laughs> uh like bonsai has been my hobby slash like I want to make it a career, but it's also the thing that I enjoy and that's why I wanted to make it a career, you know? So yeah, I just I just do bonsai. That's kinda weird to say out loud, but it is what it is. That works for me. And I I I think you could what's what's that phrase? Uh I can't even remember it right now, but it's like 
uh, master of none. If you, you know, do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That works. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something along the lines <laughs> well, of that's what uh, I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, just if you, you know, if you are into all these different things, you'll never really master. Oh right, you right, know. right. Yeah, there's there's actually a Japanese uh, phrase. I I think like uh, I can't remember. I'm not going to butcher the word, but basically, it's like the concept that if you chase two rabbits, you won't catch either one of them. So it's kind of like yeah, you stick to one thing, get really good at it. That's kind of how I interpret it. But totally. Very wise. Let me let my dog out. It will take me one sec. I'm yeah, so sorry. <laughs> he's just wife. like whining. What at kind me. of dog do you have? He's a he's a white husky. Come here. Oh, dude, that's great. Here, I'll show you. Up, up, up. I miss my dog, man. I'm see? I'm a dog boy. That's my hobby, having a dog. Yeah, that's him. His name's Thor. He's pretty, man. Yeah, he's <laughs> thank super you, pretty. Thank you. Okay. Here, let me let him out really quick. Yeah, no problem. <clears throat> I think that's that's awesome. I think that's badass that you're so into bonsai and you dedicated your life and you're pursuing it at the highest level trying to yeah uh i i have a huge amount of respect for anyone that picks up and moves across the across the world to pursue their their passion and uh interests so props to you for that man that that's absolutely incredible well yeah i I appreciate it being here through all these years and stuff it's it's weird it's like it's more of a mental game than anything right but uh i think anyone could do it to be honest just like gotta stick to it not not easy to stick to it <laughs> yeah maybe not 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 that easy i don't think anyone <laughs> could do it i think you're being very generous there so how long have you been at Aichian now uh this month what is it like august 16th will be four years on the day so i'm just gonna say yeah just about four years have um one more year until i'd be completed and eligible to get like my certificate and i do plan to you know get out of here on that fifth year (laughs) yeah it's not like not like i'm hating it or anything like that i'm just ready to get back to life and start working yeah yeah do you what do you want to do afterwards do you have uh do you have it all laid out or rough idea i have a pretty broad plan uh there's i mean not to get like deep into it but generally my my main goal is to get some land somewhere like i think i could handle two acres of space by myself so i'm thinking like you know if i can get two acres of land field grow grow trees and pots and all that kind of stuff i want to build a garden i want to build a nursery i want to make bonsai i don't want to just you know travel around and wire trees and get paid and go home and you know do that like of course like you know i will if there's demand for it but my main goal is definitely to have my own place build my own garden and make trees and sell trees and you know just do bonsai and make a living from it love that very nice so i'm assuming you want to move back to the states yeah for sure um, nice any state in particular uh that's kind of up in the air right now like of course like i'm 
born and raised in Florida, and like I, I haven't seen any of the West Coast of the U.S. I haven't been what is it, like the Smoky Mountains, like kind of around Tennessee. Like I think that's the farthest west I've ever been. So like I, I haven't been out of Florida much. Is my point? And uh, I mean, I'm I'm open to changing my uh, location and figuring some stuff out, just depending on yeah. like where the opportunity is, right? Like. I mean, not to not to hate on Florida, but like it's after being here in Japan, like the amount of conifers I've been exposed to, and like Yamadori, there, there's nothing in Florida that can really satiate that uh, that mm-hmm. desire to work with this type of material. You know, um, I get that. Like, I I can definitely grow black pine and grow shimpaku, but I'll never collect like any kind of American Yamadori, and that's kind of a bummer. So. I'm I'm open to you know my options. Thinking about where I might go. Um, cool for sure. I'll take some time to really get settled down because it's like five years in Japan with no income and all that. Like I, I gotta think realistically. Like I got a five year plan. You know, for sure, for sure. Totally get that about Florida. I mean, I I love I I, I like tropical bonsai quite a bit, but. Just yeah, I still, being, I still enjoy it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It, it'd just be nice if you could have a wider variety, you know? Like, that's, I guess, yeah, the bummer yeah. part. You'd, yeah, it's limited. It, like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. There's definitely a little oh, bit of a lag here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, talking, there is. Yeah. And uh, whatever, I think, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally cool. Go for it, though. I was just going to say in Florida, it's definitely limited, but tropicals are really fun. Like you can do things with tropicals at a really high level that you can't do with your deciduous species. Like the, just like the crazy Frankenstein grafting you can do with ficus or whatever, you know, you just, you can't do it with anything else. So it's, it has its like, you know, high points, but for me, it's just like being limited on what can survive is kind of a drawback whereas like if you if you travel up north you can obviously have a heated greenhouse and keep your tropicals and have uh like the deciduous and conifers that will not survive florida's heat and humidity so there's a lot to think about yeah you get the you can have the best of both worlds which is really nice i guess with tropicals yeah and living in florida one one big advantage there is probably being able to develop trees a lot faster. Would you say that? Say so? Uh, yeah, for sure. Tropicals can develop faster, but it's like, a, you know, the idea of Mochikomi, where it's like a tree looks old uh, as a bonsai. Uh, developing Mochikomi on tropical trees is really difficult because they are so vigorous. They kind of just always kind of have this feeling of being young, no matter what you do, because they're just growing too fast all the time and it's hard to slow them down. Um, so that's like high, high level tropical trees are kind of difficult to develop that sense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so what I'm getting at too, is like a young tree, a young tropical you may like develop the branches really quickly, but you won't develop that sense of age because like it's still just a young young tree and it's very apparent. So, I do I can't yeah, see. Yeah, I mean that. there's Absolutely. always there's always like a plus and a minus, I think. So For sure. I I do I was very, very impressed with a Bougainvillea that Juan 
worked on. And he, I forget who he got it from, but he really developed Neil the ramification. Dallinger? Yep. Yeah, that was, Neil that was it. And yeah, it that, was just, that tree is here in ITN now. So no, that, shout out to Neil, shout out to Morton. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, they did a <laughs> well, really yeah, that, great job that on that. Bougainvillea, yeah, and it was developed in a basement in Indiana. I think Neil is from Indiana. I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's from Indiana. And he, like, Neil did, you know, he made the tree, right? And then Juan worked on it, and he, well, he bought it and brought it back to Florida, and uh, eventually it made it here to Japan. And it's been here since, but yeah, no, that, that goes back to the thing about, like, outside of Florida, you can still do tropicals at a really high level. It just has its own challenges, right? For sure, for sure. Cool. So tell me a little bit, uh, who, well, backing up just a little bit. So I know you and Juan live together. Um, yeah. Tell me, who is Juan Andrade? <laughs> That's my dog. Uh, Juan, Juan is uh, Costa Rican. Um, I mean, he'll have to explain his backstory more than I can, but he was doing bonsai for maybe like 10 years before he came to Aichen. I want to say that he started his apprenticeship in 2012 here and finished in 2014 or 15. I don't exactly remember, but uh, when he finished at Aichen, he came to Florida, did the Bonsai Society, the Florida Convention, and we met and uh, kind of just like started chatting and hanging out and uh one day he kind of hit me up and was like hey i need a cheap place to live and i was like hey i got one <laughs> so he he moved in him and uh his wife beatrice and uh well Juan was like working around the u.s like he'd come back and my house was his home base and just really good friends uh he taught me a lot um so i feel like uh you know, Juan leveled up my skill really, really fast um, compared to how many years of uh, bonsai experience I had at the time. And uh, yeah, he helped me come here to Japan. Uh, kind of gave me like a recommendation to Tanaka-san my way. That's a, and uh, we actually, I left Florida to Mexico. He left Costa Rica to Mexico. We met and we took a plane to Japan together. And the first night that I shed, we, well, actually for like four days, we shared a room. But yeah. I mean, yeah, Juan's my homie, man. That's my dog. Yeah. 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 Good, <laughs> good dude. Uh, when I was in Japan back in 2015 at IGN, he was, he, he basically was just like so cool to me. He, he showed me around. He took me under his wing. He taught me a whole lot and he's a very very good teacher and an incredibly yeah. talented and skilled bonsai super artist super good I think. Yeah. yeah super good um i would say so like prior to one i had a my first bonsai teacher is jim van landingham jim van landingham and uh sorry uh he only did tropicals but then we kind of have like a grandfather type of relationship rather than just like a bonsai teacher relationship but then you know i met juan and i would say juan was my primary influence for like high level bonsai work 
and of course now it's Tanaka san right <laughs> but, yeah uh still a lot of like my foundation was kind of taught to me by one so super super good teacher super skilled and i'm glad that he treated you good too so yeah yeah he was he was great and i i remember back when i was there even uh the the, the oyakata over at daijuin i remember him asking juan to wire one of his really nice trees and yeah he was kind of like there. There was kind of just a buzz about Juan in Japan, even, and people wanted to, him well, to work on their stuff. And he did really when good stuff. When he was an apprentice, he was also going to like he did the uh, convention in China, and he had done conventions prior to being like a, an apprentice. So I think he already had like a little bit of notoriety, right? Like obviously becoming a Japanese apprentice like brings you to that next level in his case, what brought him to that next level um, of like recognition. So yeah, I, I think he had a really good experience and a lot of good exposure even in Japan as an apprentice. Very cool, very cool. Give me one sec, gotta shut the door really quick. My uh, wife and kids are actually gone for like Two and a half weeks, my Chilling. wife brought them. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> straight bachelor pad up in here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so it's just me in the house and uh, just I'm trying to pump out some podcasts and I'm having a, a koi pond built right now, which I'm really excited about. Nice, nice, nice. Um, yeah. And just I've been working on trees, cleaning up the garden, you know. <laughs> that koi pond is going to be a rabbit hole, man. I think the, the koi, yeah, the koi world is pretty deep, right? It is. It is. Yes, yeah. I've. It, it's interesting. A lot of similarities and parallels to bonsai. Yeah. yeah, and it's heavily based in Japan, and and you know, there's people that do koi apprentices uh, apprenticeships for for many years, yeah. just like bonsai, and it it definitely gets deep. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just make a little comment about apprenticeships in Japan. It feels like uh, in Japan, there's a lot of special specialization. And uh, most of that requires you to become an apprentice of some sort to like, you know, master the craft. So it's like any kind of uh, hobby, like, man, even like at KFC, you have to do like a three month training program to fry the chicken. And it's like, it's just KFC, man. So I think this uh, Japanese mentality about spe specialization and, uh, you know, mastering your craft is really important. Okay. Uh, that, that's so interesting uh, about KFC. It's so funny. I, yeah, I respect it. It, it I was like really it. weird to me when I was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so... I'm really curious. Like I, I, I love. I had a absolutely incredible time at Aichien, and my main pe teacher now is Peter T. Yeah. Studied at Aichien as well. I feel like Aichien is ha, has basically had a, a massive influence over American bonsai. Like it may be one of the more influential bonsai nurseries now um, on the states. I, I would want to say i agree just in my own experience right um 
Uh, Jonas spent some time in Aichin, not like to be an apprentice, but I know he stayed here for some time to, you know, learn some stuff. I don't know, like, what exactly he did, but, you know, you got Peter T., Jonas, Danny Coffey was here as an apprentice. You got Peter T., like you said. Juan, of course, went to the U.S. and worked for a while, but is, like, based in Costa Rica. What am I saying? Uh, me. <laughs> but I'm still not there. Uh, I know there's there's been other people, too, right, like, that have come to study for a short time that go back. Maybe they don't work as professionals, but, yeah, I, I think Aichen is... It's been like very open to accepting foreign apprentices much more than many other nurseries in Japan. So I think that's, you kind of see it play out in America, what you're saying. Like, I feel like there's a lot of influence from Aichin and American bonsai. And I think that's you know, probably why. Like, Aichin's just a very, well, Tanaka's on my way. Kathy is a very open, open to other cultures kind of Japanese guy. Which, I don't know if this is wrong to say or not, but I think it's a little bit rare. I don't think it's very common to see in Japan. So, yeah, I think he's kind of a little bit of a gem, you know? Totally, totally. Completely agree. And he he speaks English pretty well, right? Yeah? Uh, Definitely now his English is, like, pretty much fluent, right? Like, I... I don't have any trouble understanding him. And I speak to him, maybe I speak to him a little bit slower and maybe change some of my like verbiage a little bit to make it easier to understand. But I mean, that's nothing new to me. When I was working in Florida, you know, I worked with people who spoke Spanish primarily. So I'm, I'm used to like being able to communicate across language barriers. It's not like a big deal for me. Um, so yeah, his his English though he, he could go work in America as like a bonsai I don't know demonstrator and be able to speak English without translator or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like he's pretty interested in American culture? Uh, I don't think America specifically. I well, I would say in Japan there is a general interest in American culture, and that's true in a lot of countries, but. I think he's just generally interested in culture outside of Japan. Like, uh, right now we have an apprentice from Slovakia. Uh, I know there was a guy from Slovenia that did a short time here at Aichin. So I don't think it's like America specifically. I think he's, yeah, he's just interested in other cultures, it seems like. At least like getting to know people from other cultures. I think he likes that. Awesome. Very cool. What's his personality like uh, from your perspective? I mean, it's a little bit tough for me to answer because we do have this like way the and apprentice like Deshi relationship, but he's a super nice guy. He's friendly. I mean, everyone can get mad, right? So I wouldn't describe him as an angry person, but of course, like if you mess up around here, you can get in trouble, right? Uh, I don't know. Like... It's weird to say, I don't know, because I've been living with him for five years, but like just the nature of the relationship, there is some boundaries, you know, and maybe it's a little bit even self-imposed, but uh, I would say like, you know, super cool guy, like I've never really 
thought of a way to answer that question, to be honest. But other than, like, I would say if I love bonsai, he loves bonsai, like, ten times more. <laughs> really? Like, really? He's, yeah, he's fourth generation of his family um, at Aichan, like, owning this bonsai business. And he's expanded the garden a lot more than uh, any previous generation. And, um, yeah, I mean... That whole thing about, like, if you chase two rabbits, you won't keep, catch either one. I think he's, like, a embodiment of that. He's completely just about bonsai and his family. So, yeah. I mean, he's a great dude. Like, I, I really can't think of a way to describe him other than just saying, like, he's a really cool, good guy. Like, uh, you know, we joke around and stuff, too. Uh, he's fun. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I love I love to hear that he's super passionate about bonsai. Yeah. I feel like I hear about certain professionals sometimes and or I see them and maybe I, I just wonder if they've lost some of that passion about bonsai and it kind of bums me out. I mean like I, I understand it. I feel like yeah. if I did bonsai professionally, I, I may get burnt out of it or I may not want to talk about it after hours. So I, I don't know. It's, it's just cool to hear that he's he's super passionate, and I love to see professionals that that maintain the passion. I'm sure. Right. I'm sure certain areas within bonsai, if you were a professional, you might get a little burnt out on. But ho hopefully, there's just other areas where you maintain that passion. It's just burning strong as it ever was for you. What I mean, my personal opinion is that. This is maybe a little bit not good for me to say, but I think as a bonsai professional, if you focus on money as your main pursuit, like, of course, you're going to get burnt out on it because, like, you're, you do anything to make money. So, why do bonsai to make money? So, right, like, uh, his passion for bonsai is not the business side of bonsai. And I think that's why he is still passionate about bonsai. And, um, little anecdote, right? Like, his. He told me, I asked him before, like, you know, how, how has Aichen, like, passed on the business for four generations? Like, because that's very uncommon in any kind of business, like, in any part of the world. And he said, like, uh, you know, his great-grandfather didn't sell the business to his son. He gave it to him. And then his grandfather gave the business to his son. And then his father gave the business to him. He plans to do the same thing with uh, his oldest son. So I think there is like a true passion for bonsai rather than a passion for business. And I think that's what really keeps people in love with what they do. So, yeah, that's that's my opinion based on just what I think. That's deep, man. And Maybe. <laughs> no, I, deep I as a like puddle. A, <laughs> no, I, I feel like in life when i if you were the if i was being very straightforward maybe like 15 years ago i would have said that money was extremely important to me and maybe mm -hmm. like the a lot of what i thought about and it was just very very important to me however the older i get and the more mature i get i i realize that it's often not about money at all. I mean, it, you, yeah. you need money to live. However, yeah. I don't know. There's certain things like 
that have really proved that to me. For example, I do one of my hobbies outside of bonsai is uh, jujitsu. I care about getting this the next belt, right? Like I'm I'm a yeah. belt now, and I think about my purple getting a purple belt all the time. And it's so funny because I, I think about that and it matters so much to me and, and my skill development matters so much to me. But it's just this piece, piece of colored cloth that you tie around yeah. your waist. And well, it's like, you know, there's I mean, no it's money a personal, there. personal accomplishment, right? Yeah, there's no 100%. money there. There's a different sense of value. And it's like a real value. Literally, money is printed every day. There's so much money in the world just being printed every day like it's not hard to go get it if you want it so like well actually getting that purple belt that's actually hard you have to do something personally and challenge yourself physically to actually get it whereas like yeah if you want money it's like you just scam someone and get some money it's no problem well it's illegal <laughs> but yeah i mean there's just a lot of ways to get money if that's all you care about for sure for sure very nice, very nice. Well, <laughs> just for the record, I haven't scammed anyone. It's just, yeah. Totally, totally. Um, cool. Hey, going back a, a little bit to uh, Mr. Tanaka and Aichien, what do you, I, I would love for you to drop some knowledge on me about the nursery and, and him some more. Like, um, so it, it's fourth generation. Uh, fourth generation yeah do you, would you mind talking about a little bit about the history of of the nursery any any other little yeah, details I'll, you know do like a little synopsis um love it so his great grandfather uh to be fair i don't know the names i just you know i would say his great grandfather um his family was uh normal vegetable farmers and a lot of this is on the ichan website too but just from well, share some details if it's different from my experience but anyways uh his his family was originally just like vegetable farmers um and that's like 130 years ago and he didn't want to be a farmer anymore and decided to grow bonsai uh, i think at that time in japan uh i'm gonna say it was like 18 90s 1880s something around that i can't do math to save my life but uh sometime around then bonsai was becoming popular for normal people instead of just kind of the upper samurai ruling class it's like the meiji period and so anyways uh there's a lot of people who began growing bonsai and he was growing a lot of kaide uh trident maple ume which is like the japanese apricot and black pine kuromatsu um so he kind of started growing all those trees in the ground and it was more of a field growing thing uh i don't don't think at the time the trees were like so well developed or anything like that uh it was more like the i want to say it was like the cultural beginnings of bonsai for like average people like becoming a hobby rather than just like this class statement kind of thing i don't i don't know what i'm trying to say but it's like bonsai was becoming available to regular people rather than like the upper class only so 
you don't have like very high level trees at that time yet. And so then it goes to, you know, his grandfather might wake up his grandfather, you know, continues field growing, but he also is collecting a lot of black pine from this area. Um, I'm sure like most people by now kind of have heard of Mikawa black pine or like Mikawa black pine ceilings, these kind of things you see kind of marketed all the time. Uh, Mikawa is actually this like Nagoya Bay region. So, I mean, most people know that Kuromatsu black pine is a coastal tree. Maybe you don't, but I think they do. So, uh, collected a lot of black pine from this area and took those trees from being like, you know, freshly collected to planting them in the ground and field growing them on, uh, which, you know, something we should be doing in America too, I think. But he also was developing more of the kaide and, uh, know just carry on the work that was already started by the previous generation uh, then my wake up this father would have been alive during like the japanese economic boom time of like the 1980s and uh if they had already established you know like trees that were 100 years old by that time so they were you know doing really good selling bonsai and it's a little bit unfortunate, but I don't think Aichen in Japan has gained a lot of notoriety for creating those trees. Like I've seen it myself in Kinbon articles where it's like, this is an Aichen tree, but Kinbon hasn't acknowledged it. So it's like, they mm. don't know where the tree comes from because like it wasn't documented, you know, it's a hundred years ago. So anyways, uh, his father was very financially successful during that time with the just like the business side of things really built up Aichen in that kind of like financial stability kind of sense, right? Like made them a lot of money to uh, really expand and be more than just a field growing farmer business, you know? And, um, you know, now it's present day. I'm here and a lot of other foreign apprentices have been here before me and my wake up has been, you know, just collecting better and better trees over the years. And it is what it is now, I guess. And yeah, as far as I know, when whenever the time comes, he'll pass the business on to his oldest son, Aiki. So, yeah, hope, hopefully Aichen will be here for, you know, more generations to come. That's incredible. And... Part of the reason why Japanese bonsai is so good is because there's such a history with the with bonsai and and many of these nurseries. Well, some of them are multi generation, like IGN. Yeah. I'm um, curious. Sorry, go go for go for your question first. I'm curious. Uh, so the the field the original field grown trees. So I yeah. I have seen uh, there's a there's an incredible ume at Aichien with light pink flowers, really big tree. Still have a, a really great memory of, of seeing that tree in person and just how impressive it was. Has like no dead wood, awesome bark. So <laughs> uh, that tree has unfortunately declined a little bit. Um, like it, it now has a lot of dead wood. Uh, it's actually just, I can turn the camera real fast. It's right here. That's, that's it right there. Uh, it's declined 
recently. And I think, you know, with the weather changing and just like the age of that tree, that tree is verifiably from the very first seedling group that was planted by uh, the first generation of Aichin. So, I mean, just natural age, that tree has been alive 130 years. It's normal that a tree will decline, right? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I would love to see what it looks like. It's hard to see from this video, but that's yeah. so cool that you're just like, oh, it's right. It's right right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the tree that uh, if that tree dies, I think Aichen dies with it. So. I'm Oof. not saying that literally. It's just like the, just that kind of sentiment with it. Uh, the, the name of that tree is Aichi. Oh, so that's yeah, cool. that's like the the prize of the garden. Yeah, protect that tree at all costs. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I always thought it was very interesting that uh, that it didn't have very much dead wood on it, but I'd like to see how yeah. it continues to progress. And and I think with, with Ume, you know, they're so susceptible to fungal issues and and just getting dead wood over time makes and total sense. Nagoya is very hot in the summer. When my Oyakata has told me when he was a child, uh, Aichen was just surrounded by rice fields. And now, like, you know, it's concrete. There's giant apartment like eight-story apartment buildings on one side and like five-story apartment building on the other and yes concrete everywhere it's like even that radiation from that concrete makes it more hot here like directly here and then like the climate of course is getting a little bit warmer every year right so i think like the decline of the tree has a lot to do with like the the climate um of nagoya Makes sense. But that's that's natural, man. You can't can't avoid it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it still looks really good. Like it's hard to see from from right here. Yeah, it's <laughs> but uh, it's still healthy, but it has yeah. like a more wild, un uncultivated look to it, which I think my wake have to appreciates that style of bonsai a lot more now. Um, he he likes trees to have a more natural feeling to them um can talk about that more later i guess yeah let's let's come back to that because i really do want to hit that yeah i was i was just curious you were talking about in kinbone like they didn't necessarily give credit to an ichian grown tree i've seen that ume i've seen a lot of uh root over rock like really yeah, awesome kind of. root over rock tridents yeah uh, I guess, uh, can you talk to me a little bit more about like what was grown at Aichen and yeah, so do you know I if think, a lot of those are still around? Uh, I don't know how many, right? Because it was, it was like a field growing nursery. So they were developing them uh, like as production, you know? So there's you know, maybe hundreds of them created and sold. And then, you know, they end up in all sorts of different places. Um, so yeah, Aichen is kind of noted for uh, developing uh, root over rock kaide, like kaide shitsuke. Um, and What's shitsuke? Ishitsuke is like, ishi is stone, and I don't know what ske really means, but I'm assuming it means like over or on top. So ah, like the it. combination, ishitsuke is like, yeah, that's the, the Japanese term for like root over rock. 
So yeah, like the the Aichan style of like those kaide shitsuke is like there's a branch that hangs down low and the tree is planted on like okay, let me reverse this. The tree is planted on a tall stone and the roots are like coming all the way down it into the soil and then there's a very long kind of winding main branch. And that's very like stylistically typical of Aichen and uh I mean when you see a tree that's you know it gotta be at least a hundred years old in that style. It's like, well, there's only one nursery that did that, you know, at that time. So, like, you know, that's an Aichen tree. That's just a, a particular feeling. Uh, they grew a lot of cutting, which I know there's one that, like, Chinese quince that you really like. Uh, that tree is no longer here in Aichen. It's been uh, sold for, I think, some you know, decades. But it's still alive. Uh, I don't remember where the customer is, but I think it's one Kokoku Prize a couple times. Several kaides grown by Aichen have won Kokoku Prize in the wow. ownership of other uh, customers and professionals. Uh, I would say now Aichen is primarily focused on black pine. They, we still have some fields, but like we're we're not developing the trees at the fields. Um, long story short, is like the amount of labor it takes to maintain the fields and develop trees in the field versus the price of uh, selling those that type of material is just like it's not worth it. So those trees are just like becoming jungle trees, to my <laughs> understanding. But we have, like, a really large mixture of trees now. Like, uh, Mike Waikata has a little bit of everything. He's not specialized in black pine. He's got, of course, red pine, white pine, taide, momiji, chojubai, whatever, you know, everything. So, yeah, uh, I think the previous generations were focused on growing specific species because, like, I mean, it's just easier to manage that kind of operation, right? But now Aichen kind of does a little bit of everything, which is good. I mean, for people who come to study at Aichen, it's very good because you have an exposure to a lot of of different things rather than just like, you know, only Black Pine or only Momiji, something like that. One, One thing in addition to the wide variety of trees that you guys have, I really see you guys making trees, like doing big structural changes, big branch bends and things like that and, and really making trees, which is great. I think we need so, more of that. Yeah, I mean, my way Kata's mindset on wiring is a little bit different from many other people, I think. You can increase the value of a tree by wiring it to make it look nice and then bringing it to an auction and selling it, right? Like that is like a... In Japan, that's a business model that is common for like bonsai professionals just buy a tree wire it make it look pretty and then sell it but there's no like thought about correcting structure to improve the tree over time because like the the goal is just to make the money so you know at Aichan the goal is to improve the tree and make good structure and we don't actually refine by wiring here at Aichan so like we will set the structure and you know do that as our main focus. So that's like what you're saying, like we're bending the branches down. We do like hard bends as kind of a common procedure. And then like the refinement work is 
primarily done through pruning. And I think it does give a tree a different feeling. Like if, if you refine by wiring versus refining by pruning, it's a completely different feeling that it's hard for me to describe, right? But in person, it's something that can just like easily be felt. Yeah, I wish I was better at describing with words, but yeah. Yeah, hard thing to to describe with words. I have seen that. Peter T. does a lot of that. I mean, he learned yeah. from ITN. And so I've really come to appreciate that way of doing things. I'm a fan. Yeah, I, I personally, uh, like, I, I think before I came to Japan, because I was working with tropicals, I would wire tropicals a lot and develop them with wiring. And I mean, the wiring a tropical is about the same as wiring a deciduous. Like it's completely the same. So my feeling now about like fully wiring a deciduous is just like, I don't like it because you can always tell that this tree was wired and it doesn't have this like natural, you can always feel the touch of man, I guess is like a very easy way to say it. Like you, it doesn't have this sense of just being a tree. It has this sense of being a bonsai. But it's 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 weird to explain. I can't do it well. Yeah, for sure. Talking deciduous, do you still do you wire every once in a while? Like maybe just if that one um, branch is just totally out of place, yeah, just kind of yeah. put it into a, a little bit of a better place. But mostly yeah, you're cutting. I would say... If the branch is just growing up too much, we're more likely to put a piece of rope and pull the branches down rather than wire. But there are times when we will wire deciduous, but we don't go and wire the twigs or anything like that. It's more like you're moving you're moving the structure so that you can continue refining it by cutting. That's like our general thinking. So like we we will wire deciduous from time to time. Like uh, I recently just wired a uh, star jasmine, um, not not chit chitiman, but like the typical U.S. star jasmine that would be in the landscape. I know it's not deciduous, but like I think of it as the same. And yeah, I fully wired that tree for like a a customer of my Oyakata, and so we do wire um, those trees sometimes and. Depending on the species, uh, we'll either use aluminum or like kind of rubber coated steel, which is not that fun to wire with, but uh, it typically won't bite into the branches as much with that rubber coating. And then some trees will even wrap like a masking tape around the aluminum before we put it on the tree, which is like really annoying, but it's maybe it's better for protection. Interesting. Interesting. Nice. Well, uh, one thing that I was just absolutely blown away by at IGN was the level of ramification on, on yeah. a lot of the older deciduous. So I, I was just blown away by like the Kaide that yeah. Mr. Tanaka has had for long periods of time. It's just like the most ramification, not, like you can't get anymore. I feel like. No, just, there's... There's several uh, kaida here that are like, you know, 100 plus years old that have been here at Aichen the entire time. They've never left the garden. And there's several different leaf varieties, um, you know, just genetic differences, right? 
uh, there's one like that's like the best leaf that we have. It's very small and tight, and the inner nodes are extremely tight. It's still a very vigorous grower. And then there's some that are not as nice. Uh, but even the trees that are not quite like what you'd say is a good variety, uh, they're still like so old and been cut so many times that they're like still really dense. So I, I think that's just something. Of course, it's easier to get there with a better variety, but just with age and like decades of good maintenance, trees become dense. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's the goal of bonsai, right? Definitely. Definitely. I think too, sorry, but I think too, like the the hot climate of Nagoya definitely helps us be able to cut kaidi as much as we do. Um, like there, I will say like most of the trees here, I'll do like a kind of, I've posted videos. So if you're interested, I, I know you've seen them, but you know, people listening are interested. You can see how we kind of do like, an outer canopy defoliation slash like shear cutting and i can do that maybe like 10 times a year here trim to like wow. every high day in the garden and i mean yeah of course they're going to become dense when you're cutting like that for like 100 years yeah yeah <laughs> how many times a year would you say you defoliate uh trident maples at ITN? full defoliation uh, probably never. There may be like a one or two trees per year that may be defoliated fully for whatever reason. But I think fully defoliating a refined tree throws off the balance a lot because the way I think about it is like you're taking... Of course, on every tree, one branch is going to be stronger than the next. Even it's very subtle and you can hardly distinguish it. But when you take all the leaves, you're kind of doing a hard reset in my thinking. So then those strong branches are obviously going to be stronger because they are going to be like the most resource hungry. And then the weaker branches are built because they are weaker. They're more likely to like self-abort. So I, I don't think that like fully defoliating refined trees is like a great thing. Um, of course, like there's always a circumstance where you may want to do it. So primarily what we do is just like cut the outer canopy enough that light is getting to the inner branching so it doesn't die. And like the way I don't just shear cut, right? It may look like it, but I'm primarily only cutting branches that are extending. So those branches that are not getting cut they're getting like, you know, a week or two more to grow before the tree is cut again. So that little bit of like difference is enough to like help give that tree enough energy or sorry, help give that twig enough energy to like kind of reestablish balance on the tree. So you're getting light onto the interior and you're balancing the tree at the same time. And I think that's a much better strategy for a tree long-term than like a full defoliation. Full defoliation on a tree, like a young deciduous, that's like you're developing the branches. It can be a good thing because like it will trigger a tree to like start growing strong again because it's just like, it's a shock, right? It's a shock to the system and the tree has to respond by either dying or getting stronger. Like it's, it's your only choice. 
Gotcha. Just to make sure that I understand. So when you're talking about cutting the strong runners on a trident maple, are you also doing like a partial outer canopy defoliation on the tree? Yeah. Uh, I mean, here at Chen, we don't really do like a lot of selective, like cutting each twig individually. We will do what looks like a gardening, shearing kind of cut. But at the same time, I am cutting through like larger leaves on the outside of the canopy. And I, I do kind of like give myself a little bit of a, sorry, I make sure to cut enough leaves that like light is penetrating the canopy. So yeah, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, well, I, I've seen the videos of you doing doing it before. I'll, I'll go back and and check them out again. But uh, yeah, it's I, it's hard to see in the video because it's like a very. Uh, I mean, my camera skills aren't good, right? I'm just using an iPhone and like I'm working at the same time. So, but it's it's a lot more nuanced than what it looks like. It looks like I'm just cutting like a landscape bush, but it's a lot more than that. It's just like I'm very comfortable doing it. For sure. Shout out to me. <laughs> Shout out to you. Nice. <laughs> Fair play, man. <laughs> um, so earlier, uh, I believe you mentioned Mr. Tanaka and the trees, kind of like the taste of trees that he, he likes and he's into. Yeah. Can you talk talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, so the... The general taste is going to be, there's a taste for quirky trees, first of all, uh, whatever that may be, uh, just like if the tree looks weird, he's going to like it, uh, whatever species <laughs> it is. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one thing. And then, so like the general Aichan feeling is a strong main branch, a strong, uh, strong movement, strong main branch, and the apex of the tree all flowing in the same direction. That's like, I mean, I wouldn't say that's style. a style. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a style, but that's like the design guideline, right? Like, to us, like, that's what feels good. So it's not like that is specifically a style because, like, it's oversimplifying what that means and like what the taste that I chin is but that is definitely like the the main markers of like our design template um so then like his number the number one thing he values in any bonsai of any species is true age that like that sense of mochikomi but also just like true age so if the tree is like you know an inch thick but you can tell that, like, you know, it's a 50-year-old tree that's an inch thick. He's going to want it because, like, time is the one thing you can't really make in bonsai, right? Like, you have to let age come naturally. You can't... There's no technique you can do to a tree to, like, create age other than just waiting. So that's, like, the main the main taste, I think, is for old trees. Um... I mean, yeah, always Aichen is going to have, like, a strong main branch with, like, a very full pad on that main branch. And 
Um, we have a lot of Moyoki style trees, especially black pine. I think that's what am I trying to say? Yeah, I mean, it's just a tree that he likes a lot. It's like a Moyogi informal upright tree. Um, and nice. the old trees, yeah, yeah, we can go on. I kind of <laughs> don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> is, uh, is he really big on having a really thick primary branch relative to the size of the trunk? So, like, he wants a, a proportional directional branch yeah. or key branch yeah 100 100 yeah nice um i like so that. there's yeah me too <laughs> uh there's some some trees here that are they're old trees but they're kind of being pushed back into development to make the main branch larger for that exact reason like uh, he just he likes that and uh you know it's kind of worth like the the effort to make it happen rather than having a slightly too small main branch you'd rather put the extra time in to make it properly there's this black pine on peter t's blog it's like a massive black pine and it had just like the, they're restarting the branches i'm not sure if you know which one i'm talking about it's like uh, so I big don't. that they they didn't even tie it into the pot i'll uh -huh. have to send you a picture of it because I, I really want to know like how it's doing and uh mr tanaka was saying like it's going to be, I forget how long it was, but it was like 30 years to show it or, or something like that. Like a, a very, very yeah. long time just restarting the branches and just getting that key branch thick enough so that it's, it's looks in proportion and looks good to his eyes. That's something else I'll say about Aichin. Uh, like if a tree needs 30 years of development and it's a good tree, like there's no hesitation to like bring that tree into the garden. Like uh I think um among bonsai professionals in Japan, if you can't make that tree sellable quickly, it's kinda like the value in the perceived value is less, right? Because it's not a sellable tree. But I would say at Aichen, like a good tree in a state of decline is just as valuable to uh, my Oyakata. Like if he sees it and it's in a state of decline, but it has like 30 year, like potential to become a great tree in 30 years, like he's still going to get that tree. Ah, I love yeah. that. I feel like that just speaks to the fact that he's so passionate about bonsai still. Like that's why he's down yeah. for that. Yeah, I you know? agree. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. And I mean, these days too, in Japan, it's a little bit harder. Like if you see that material, you kind of have to get it or you're making a mistake because these days, like a lot of bonsai are just leaving Japan like every day, like probably thousands yeah. of trees are leaving every day. Maybe not thousands, hundreds of trees are leaving every day. Yeah. Uh, going to China, huh? <laughs> Primarily, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, I'm curious, does Mr. Tanaka, does he, like, what kind of goals does he have with bonsai, would you say? Oh, that's, and that's I know hard I'm, for me. I'm, I'm asking you, <laughs> and I'm not asking him, um, so yeah. it's, like, hard to know, and you don't want to speak for him, I'm sure, but. Um, well, yeah, it's a little bit of that, too, but also I feel like I don't particularly know, but I will say he's not so interested in like you know showing trees at kokufu or 
even like Thai content, anything like that, like displaying and that kind of stuff isn't something he's really concerned about almost at all. Uh, if I'm going to give an answer, I just say like, you know, legacy, like continuing the work of iChan and making sure that, you know, iChan will have at least one more generation after him. And then I think he hopes that his son would do the same, uh, just carry on the legacy of iChan to the, what would that be, like sixth generation? I think that would yeah. be one of his primary goals if you asked him. Awesome. How old is his oldest son right now? Just turned 18 this year. So oh, he's oh, okay. uh, just started university and yeah, hopefully he's doing good. And uh, there's talk about him doing an apprenticeship after university. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens next couple years whenever he's out of school. And, you know, by that time I'll be in America. So we'll see what happens. Sweet. Sweet.